0: Hey there! If you're anything like me, you have dreams you want to make reality or goals you want to achieve. But let's face it, time is not on your side. You're busy, you're tired, and when in the world would you carve out the amount of time you would need to achieve anything above and beyond the day-to-day load you're already carrying? Welcome to Mom on the Fringe. I am your host, Amy Matthews-Mootville. I'm a busy mom of three young children, an entrepreneur, singer, voice teacher, and lover of any old piece of furniture that needs restoration. I am here to support you, encourage you, and give you tactical tips and tools to help you find those hidden pockets of time in your busy week and use that time to your advantage. Let's get started. Well, I am so excited to introduce today's guest to you. It's my good friend, Christiana Michaelis. Christiana is an expert on the subject of creativity. As a musician and opera director, she developed her own creativity through the arts. She now studies the subject, speaks publicly about its benefits in the working world, and demonstrates it through her company, The Dirty Easel. Through The Dirty Easel, Christiana conducts team building workshops and creativity training to help organizations flex their creative muscle. Well, I already gave our audience a little bit of background about you, but I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you're up to.
1: So my name is Christiana Michaelis, and I am here living in Austin, Texas. And I moved to Austin um, a good 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago from Germany. And I started my career um, in, in music. So I have a master's degree in music and in German language and literature. And I used to play the double bass. And then I spent 10 years of my life directing operas and theater plays. And from that I switched to becoming a teacher in Germany first, which is a little bit different system. So I was teaching in middle and high school. I was teaching language arts and music and theater and musical. And then I moved to Austin and I continued teaching here for a while, orchestra and theater. And then I did a little bit of pet work teaching and we might get into the whole development later, so I'm just going to give a very quick overview here. And then I started my business um, four years ago. My business is called the Dirty Easel.
0: The Dirty Easel, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's about um, bringing creativity into the corporate world through team building events and creativity training.
0: I just love that. I was yeah. watching. I was watching your uh, your intro uh, video which i 'll post a link to if you don 't mind um, that sure. that 's on YouTube where you talk about bringing the art into businesses, and I just love this whole concept
1: yeah, and I think it 's very timely because people realize and organizations are realizing or have been realizing in the last ten to fifteen years. That creativity is so important in every kind of business, in every industry, because if you want to stay innovative, and we've all seen what disruptive innovation can do to well-established businesses in a short time, you really need to be able to think up new ideas and it's never enough anymore to just do business as usual. So mm-hmm. people understand that creativity plays a huge role in staying competitive and not missing out on opportunities. But a lot of people don't know that creativity is actually a trainable skill and that it's not just something that either you're gifted and you have it or you don't have it. Right. So I, try, uh, I go into companies and teach them how they can uh, get access to the natural creativity that we all have and take make best use of it for the business that they are in again, the last 10, 15 years about creativity, also creativity in the business. So yes, it's a huge, huge trend. And, and, um, but what I try to tell people is that there actually is not such a thing just as the right brain and the left brain, but what's really special about creative people is that they are able to connect all different areas in their brain. So, parts uh, on the right side, parts on the left side, but creative people are really good in connecting ideas. And that includes the left brain as well. Mm -hmm. So the the old stereotype about, uh, yes, we just have to get into the right brain uh, side. That's, it's it's nice as an image because people really understand what that means, but it's a neuroscientific basis that's also not even true. (laughs) Little side note. Wow,
0: okay, that's really good. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I found the book. It's why, uh, right. It's the, it's a whole new mind. Like you said, the Daniel Pink book. So yeah. So he spent a lot of time talking about that and you're kind of saying, yeah, that's one way we can understand it, but it's actually the whole mind. And but still what he says is
1: absolutely correct. So we need to, to cultivate those skills that he is talking about that are, typically associated with the right brain, like being uh, spontaneous, being creative, um, being able to be adventurous and leave the past that have been proven in the past and be open to come up with new ideas and try out things. So it takes also a lot of bravery and courage to to do these things.
0: Yeah, and you talk a lot about this with with regards to um, business and solutions in the business place, but how do you find that, you know, cause I see a huge tie in to just everyday life and especially, you know, when I think about motherhood and when I think about, um, just how I handle situations in life. Once I have sort of that tapped into, um, my creative side and my ability to sort of think outside the box a whole new, you know, situation opens up for me. So can you kind of unpack that a little bit maybe even for our Yeah, that's absolutely true. And
1: so I'm just specializing on the business side, which does not mean at all that that's where creativity belongs or that it doesn't um, reach out to all different areas of life. Like there are so many aspects to creativity. Mm -hmm. One, for example, that I typically don't even address is that doing something creative on a regular basis is making you um b- making people more happy more satisfied with their life people who do creative things they they mm. need less medication they are less uh, likely to develop anxieties and depression so there's a, a lot of things that go um into creativity besides being um profitable in in business And what you mentioned also to be uh, as a mom, to be creative and think outside of the box, I think that also ties into the idea that creativity um, often is misunderstood as being the same as being artistic. And a lot of people say, oh, I can't even draw a straight Mm -hmm. line. So I'm not artistic. So I'm not creative. And that's absolutely not true. Um, creativity Mm. is is everything like it's it's um you know i always have the example as a mom you open the fridge at night and you find three things in there and you just still have to make a dinner for everybody so creativity (laughs) can be very practical and um some people call that the small creativity versus the big creativity so the big creativity is what what when einstein comes up with a new new theory that's big creativity but the small creativity Mm -hmm. is in. Is in everyone's life and nobody is able to not be creative. So we always have to find um, ideas and solutions to problems that occur. And everybody knows that life is not without problems and not for anybody. So we need to be creative in in solving those problems. And... and absolutely especially yeah i have so many hats on and we have to juggle so many things and everything always goes different than we plan it and we expect it to go so motherhood mm-hmm. is a great training in thinking outside of the box and coming up with instant solutions that you have never thought of before
0: yeah i love the example of opening up your refrigerator because i can <laughs> I feel like many of us are masters at that. <laughs> I love following the hacks too, you know, like laundry hacks and stuff you can do in your everyday life to make it a little simpler. And sometimes I think, Oh my gosh, why didn't I think of that? That's <laughs> amazing. I, I also feel like it, it also pertains to, you know, when you're talking about motherhood and just kind of as an art form in and of itself, trying to come up with uh dinner or uh, you know, organizing or anything like that. Those are all ways we can tap into our creativity. And how can we, because I think this is something that's talked a lot about, but it's something that we as mothers um, are sort of, I think, apprehensive, a lot of us, with our children in teaching them or helping them, I shouldn't say teaching them because become already uh wired hardwired for creativity within us but how can we um come alongside them and encourage their creativity and their um, thinking
1: i think when you have little kids you can't even do anything wrong because like you said they are so wired to be creative like they try things out and often that's really hard for us because um, they when they learn about the concept of space and optic and space they drop stuff because they want to see what happens and that's a natural curious instinct that they follow and we kind of have to balance that that we don't want the chinese uh, base on the table to go that's the same right so we kind of have <laughs> to stir them a little bit because we 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 have a different perspective of reality and we also have to make sure they are safe so we we very often have to block their creative instincts for for various reasons, and that's just something that we have to <laughs> have to do. But I think it also helps to be aware mm-hmm. that um, a lot of the things that kids do that don't make any sense for us because we already have these developed concepts how the world works and why things are the way they are. Um, it helps to take a step back and to um, understand that this is really a way of learning, of experimenting, that they don't just learn the world by listening to their parents, telling them this is the way it goes, and they just follow that lead. They have to experiment and they have to explore,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what they naturally all do. And that's also what really... um moves us as humans ahead on the long run. I mean all the big inventions, all the things that that we accomplished and for better or for worse, like not all the inventions are really good ones, but they all came out of a, a quest for cu- uh curiosity. They are all um there was always a something that interested uh, a person and something somebody wanted to find out and um so I think that's just so ingrained in us as being humans. And for kids, um, I think we, yeah. we just need to encourage them to find safe playgrounds um, in which they can explore their creativity and encourage them to ask all their questions. Mm-hmm. I know it can be super annoying when you're in the car and you're trying to figure out where to go to, to the next place and you get these zillion <laughs> random questions from the back of the car. So it's it's always a, a struggle. But understanding how <laughs> how good that is. Um I think that's that's one way to really um tune in to the creative the creative side of your kids. The other one is that um yeah. I think it's always great for kids to see that adults en- enjoy those things too. And in my experience with painting, I know how kids love to do paintings with their parents because then they feel like they're both in the same shoes. And often parents feel like, oh but I'm not good at this. So I'm just I'm just watching that it's not getting too messy and I don't want to do it myself. And I want to encourage people to take that opportunity Mm -hmm. with the kids to actually do play and to try out those things that they haven't done in a long time. And that's sometimes a good way to tap into your own creativity as well just by sitting next to them and doing a painting together.
0: That's absolutely right. I mean, I know for myself, I get lost in the everyday activity of like getting from one place to the next. And when I do take the time and have in the past sat down with my kids and we, we buy those canvases when they're on sale, uh, the little tiny ones, and oh my gosh, we have so much fun with it. But it's it's something that we don't do enough of. I feel like we bond so much when we sit down all together. And that's something that every child mm-hmm. of mine enjoys. It uh, doesn't matter how old you are. Like you said, it doesn't matter. You, we just enjoy it. And when I can get in there and kind of have
1: fun with them,
0: it makes You'll it so much better. find some so along better. CDs that you well, can put the, in the
1: car, and then you all sing when you're in the car. It's just like these cool things that find exactly. kind of bonding opportunities.
0: Yes. And those are times I really feel like it brings, you know, creativity brings us together. But I think the interesting thing when you were talking about that is, you know, you're talking about controlling the mess. I think, honestly, when I'm really being honest with myself and when I've talked to other friends, mom friends, uh, we've, that's the thing I hear all the time is, oh, I just hate the mess. And I really struggle with letting go and allowing them to explore their creative, their creative side. Because I know who's going to be cleaning it all up <laughs> at the end of the day. And, um, and also, you know, I can speak for myself. I have three very creative kids and I have paid the, the price in a lot of ways in my
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: home with how much they've created on surfaces that <laughs> aren't supposed to be uh, created upon So how would you, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about this. I've I've actually got a friend who I'm looking forward to interviewing down the road, Shannon Kinney. She has a a podcast as well, and she has a blog called A Free Spirit Life, and um, really talks to the idea of uh, being a creative mom and allowing your kids to have that opportunity. But I I really feel that that's, that's something that we need to talk about. Like the house is going to be messy. You are going to have a mess when you create sometimes, when you're when you're allowing your kids to have that Yes, but I right? think it's
1: also, you have to find ways that make it doable. Like, it's just always a constant mess. And yes, you need your house to be clean. I mean, your voice counts too as a mom. And so, you have to find a common ground. Right. And for example, um, that can be that they have like one little area in their room that's kind of the messy art area. Nobody cares how that looks, but that's where they stay or what I do, like when the weather is nice, I just, I have a tablecloth that's already covered with hundreds of hours of painting. And so I put that out and give them an area yeah. where they can be messy. Um, and, and, and then they, they can just do it there. So I just need to, to set some boundaries. Like if I just paint the whole house, I don't want to do a huge project that messes everything right up because then I'm really going to be frustrated and I, to honor that too yeah like cooking is another example yeah especially when they're young they, they are uh messy so so i find a good day when i don't care and then i i set my mind okay this is going to be messy and i know um this is going to end with a lot of cleaning but then i purposefully intentionally pick a day where i have the nerve and i have the time to do that so um, I don't think the mm. creativity should overpower any other feelings that you have and uh, other necessities. You just have to find yeah. um, good areas. And plus, um, um, I think the kids are always um, young enough to learn that they need to be part of the cleanup too. And that can be a frustrating process too. Right. <laughs> because <it's difficult. laughs> for the first years, it's more work to get them to do it than just do it yourself. But it pays off in the long run. And mm-hmm. so they understand that that's part of uh, creative exploration is just uh, comes with a price.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It does. <laughs> but I I really love this whole conversation about about just allowing this to come out. And you and I met uh, several years ago and uh, in a German meetup group here in Austin. And, uh, that was one of the things that I felt like you and I really had in common was just this creative side. And I felt, I feel like we could talk for just hours about, um, you know, projects we're working on and things we're doing. And, you know, I, I really want to kind of, um, just chat with you a little bit about the, you, you mentioned already the different things you're working on, but just kind of the, the timeline, I guess, of how you've. Um, you know, you talked about how you were a musician and you and you still are and you uh, kind of started there. But you kind of I, I see you from a distance, as I know you see me, um, you know, working on different things and how I've just seen over the years is uh, as uh, you have sort of evolved from doing one thing. You know, you were uh, working in the schools and teaching music and, and you've tried so many different avenues to try to get where you are today. And I, I, if I know you well enough, I would know you're still evolving and still working on um, things as they, you know, as you continue to grow and and uh, look for new opportunities. So that's what I wanted to kind of chat with you about is just, I, I'm really fascinated by your, uh, you know, start to finish kind of how you've started with with the things you're doing and what you continue to do and I would love to talk about just how how you think about um
1: yeah I think I'm, I'm lucky to be born in a time or living in a time maybe not born but live in a time where that's okay to do I feel like the tendency these days is much mm-hmm. more to shift careers and to explore different areas because just jobs change so much and um, jobs that exist right now might not exist 15 years from now, so we we do have the expect uh, expectance that uh, people are more flexible and that they don't just pick one career in college and then stick with it to the to the end of their lives. And for me, um, that was not necessarily um, intentional from the beginning, but it evolved this way for various reasons. Like there were always different reasons why shifts happened. But um, looking back, and as, uh, as Steve Jobs said, it's it's much easier to connect the dots when you uh, look back. It all makes a lot of sense, and it ties up in very very much together. And I feel like what I'm doing right now is is synthesizing all these experiences that I had before. For example, I've I've been on the artist side, like as a musician, and also as a uh, opera director. I, I was an artist and I um, I had to create every day, uh, every day as part of my career. And then as a um, teacher, I mm. learned how to get others to be creative, how to get others to grow and develop their ideas. And now in the business that I have right now, I kind of combine these aspects. I understand how creativity works because I've, Um, been in that place and I did a lot of research and studies about uh, creativity but I also integrate um, the teaching aspect like how do you get others to develop their creativity and so in some kind of miraculous way um, all these strings are coming together um, in in the uh, the business that I do right now which is really amazing for me to to see that happening and it wasn't when i started the business it wasn't as clear to me as it is now after doing this for a couple of years but the reasons by those by those careers okay um they're various and for example the last uh, before i started my business i was teaching um in schools and i just realized that for our family model like we have four kids and now we um, some of them are already out of the house in college but back then, we um, we had, uh, all four were still living at home, and I was um, teaching um, full time because it's really hard to get part time teaching jobs. Um, I was teaching um, full time, uh, theater or orchestra, and that also involved after school rehearsals. And my husband was very busy traveling and working, and uh, and it was just not a good situation for our family. Like the la the. The last uh, mm-hmm. half year before I quit my uh, full-time teaching job was just um, being on survival mode. Like it was all about just having food for everybody and having clothes for everybody, and that was kind of the max yeah. where we where life would lead us. And I, I realized that does not work. That doesn't make me happy. I'm missing out on all these beautiful childhood developments because I'm just struggling um, to get by with life, and that's why I decided that I don't want to be um a full-time teacher anymore and then I started asking myself okay so what can I do then and slowly but surely the the concept for my business started evolving through that process
0: I love that and you and I have that in common because I was just telling somebody the other day they were saying why aren't you still teaching voice lessons and I said because the time it's when it's happening in is after school hours when the kids are Coming home and needing help with homework and dinner and, you know, it can work for a little while, but it can't work long term. And so you and I are sort of on the same page with the reinventing yourself (laughs) over and over again to figure it out and and get to a place where you do enjoy uh, what you're doing and you have uh, a, a balanced, well, as balanced as we can be, um happy yeah. family life too. And I mean
1: there there are many moms who do that who have a full-time job so I'm not saying it can't be done but it also depends on the workload of both parents. And um sometimes you just don't have a choice mm-hmm. like you have to do it and you have to bring in those de- double uh, incomes and so I felt like I was lucky that I could um dial down and find other revenues of income um even though there were not as much as a full-time position at least I could Find ways to contribute and that was doable for us so i'm not saying that's a path that works for everyone but in our family situation i worked and it was really a great decision that i never ever regretted on doing
0: yeah what were the beginning i know you and i talked um you know, we used to meet at parks <laughs> with the kids. And uh, and I remember when you started The Dirty Easel and you uh, were, you know, just kind of in the beginning phases. Talk about, um, if you could, that sort of scariness that comes with the, the beginning phases when you don't know if income is certain and you're taking sort of a leap of faith that you're going to, you know, figure this all out as you go. I would love to hear about that a little bit because I feel like sometimes we we don't we stay with what we know, not because it's great but because we just are afraid of that that really uncertain time of of getting a business yeah up and that's off the I ground. think that's a-
1: re- really important point, and I've seen people succeed in both ways and suc- uh, and also failed in both ways, like sometimes you feel like There's so much frustration building up that at some point you just say, okay, now I'm just going to jump. And if that's not really planned out well, then then that might also lead to failure and lead into um, financial hardships that then force you to do something else. And that's not a great situation either. And I've seen other people who were too afraid to leave a stable financial situation and never made that leap. And that's not a good situation either. So what I did when I started the Dirty Easel, I started it very, very small and very slowly. Like at that time, I had two other jobs when I started. Like well, I was teaching at my daughter's preschool. And I also um, um, got a teaching position, part time teaching position, teaching orchestra at a public middle school. And I was on the edge whether I should do that at this time. But my husband's job at this moment was not very stable. So I was like, okay, um, I, I, we need to do this. So in case something goes wrong with him, at least I have this. So I basically had three jobs um, for one year. And that that was hard wow. because, um, because I was just like every mm-hmm. day I was... Um, driving to the preschool out there, I was teaching a class there. Then I went to Starbucks for an hour and answering emails, writing up stuff. Then I had to put my middle school teacher hat on, drive over to the other school, then go back to the preschool, pick up my kid, and and so it was it was pretty pretty messy. Um, um, but it also taught me a lot of things. Like it taught me to really uh, flip a switch. When the time comes, like I can work for an hour, and then say, "Okay, that's all the time I have," and then I have to do something completely different. And it's not fun to do it that way, but it really is helpful when you learn to do that. So that was one of the lessons that I felt really benefited me also later. And the other one is that you d- don't have as much pressure on your um, small business that you're starting to develop. And in my case, that was that was a good thing because. Uh, I had a, had an idea how I wanted to run my business and I read a lot of books about how to build a business and I've read a business plan, but honestly I had no clue, uh, but I didn't know, um, Mm -hmm. that I had no clue. And so, um, it was really good to have some time to, to figure that out and learn as you go. And, uh, if I would have started my business and with the necessity to be financially successful within a couple of weeks, um, that would have not worked. <laughs> and my original idea um, way back yeah. for the Dirty Easel was to, to actually have a brick and mortar location and open it for our jamming um, classes all day long. And um, and I had a whole concept for that. And then I realized that that also wouldn't work with our family situation. And I was very sad to give that up. But looking back, was it was not it was a godsend not to have gone that route because I wouldn't have not been able time-wise, knowledge-wise, um, family-wise to even pursue that path. So for me, it worked out really well to start small, not to put a lot of pressure on this on this project and, and give it time um, to grow organically. Again, that might not be true for every kind of business. Like sometimes you you can't just start it in a small way. You have to to go all in on nothing. And I'm sure that's a lot harder to do, but um, as much as you can try to build it up while you have another stable income, especially if it's so different than everything that you've done before. I think that's a great way to not burden your new idea, your new business with too much pressure, pressure to be successful right off the bat.
0: Do you think that's harder nowadays, especially when you have, you know, I know as, uh you know, you've, you've observed me as I've um, started businesses and, you know, tried to get something off of the ground. And um, I've noticed uh, that there's a lot of outside pressure that you can get caught up with, like all the bells and whistles and, and that they call it, what do they call it, the uh, uh, new object syndrome <laughs> where you have, there's so many tools now nowadays, especially online that you could use to grow your business to the optimal level and, uh, you know, get more visitors on your page or get more, um, you know, get more likes or get more business in general. Uh, do you find that that sometimes has been overwhelming for you? Or do you find that you've ha- had a balance in sort of checking off your boxes one thing at a time and figuring it out as you go? I,
1: I don't know anybody who started a business who was not overwhelmed. And that, and that does not even just relate <laughs> to the new kind of business. I mean, I I love this podcast um, by Guy Ross at How I Built This Um and, yes, and, I love and, that I mean, one too. You see all these stories of people who had ideas, and and a lot of them start with failures. Like they say, it said, "Oh, I had this idea, and I did that, and that totally flopped, and then I did this." And I mean, running a business, building your business, it—if uh if you're saying you you're doing that level-headed, you have planned it all out, and you just execute your plan, I think there's something wrong. Either you're lacking, or, or uh, I don't know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely normal to be overwhelmed. It's just you have to build the mental skills, how you deal with this kind of overwhelm and how you sort your way out and how you find priorities that work for you right now. And you might um, look at them half a year later and say, yeah, well, now I see that from a different perspective. But you only always have the perspective that you have at this moment. And so you have to base your decisions um on what you know and what your research is and and go from there. I feel like it's it's completely normal to be to be overwhelmed. You just have to find your way out and you can't let it paralyze you in the sense that you either do nothing or you're trying to do it all at the same time because those mm-hmm. both those strategies mm-hmm. won't work. So you have to start somewhere and you just have to start with what you think is the spar- smartest starting point from your perspective and from what others who have gone this way before um, tell you.
0: I love this whole idea of start and get clarity. And you start, start, talk about, you know, starting with the plan, obviously you want to, you want to be, uh, I think there's a little bit too much of a mixed message out there about this, but I feel like a lot of people kind of, um, you know, preach the gospel of, just start, just do it, just be you know just and so there's some you know there's some people I'm sure that are out there that are throwing caution to the wind and quitting their job and starting this uh, <laughs> new business, and like you said it, that can kind of set you up for a, for a failure, but it can also set you up for a lot of of stress in your life as well as you' trying to make this business successful um but i I do love the concept of. Clarity comes with action, and the more that you get inside of the back end and the process of building your business, the more things become clear to you that you need to do next. Like the next step sort of, uh, you know, continues to make itself clear, but you wouldn't have known that next step a month ago if you wouldn't have started. You wouldn't have even known it with that next step existed until you just begin and start doing it. So I'd love to hear kind of your take on that as well and how that has uh, sort of played out in your business.
1: uh, I very much believe in the lean startup philosophy and that's like um, um, uh, try things out, experiment, uh, and then see how, how the reaction is if that's something that customers want and iterate. Um so yes, I, I absolutely believe in in um, uh, developing your ideas and and ex- uh, exploring how they work in the market. That being said, I think you still should do mm-hmm. your due diligence at the beginning and do some market research and have a solid idea to start your business. so it's not like, oh, well, I'll just start and then not mm-hmm. figure things out on the fly. I think that's also not a good starting ground so you should you should get some
0: mm-hmm. like
1: if uh, in my scenario i 've never done a business i i 'm not even a painter uh, by nature so i I had to learn a lot beforehand like I had to learn about creativity, I had to learn about painting I had to know about building a business I had to learn about marketing because i didn 't know any of those things so if you okay. If you start your business day mm-hmm. one and then try to learn everything I think that's that 's also not a great idea. So I think you need some some solid um, um, research and background. Um, what you want to do, what your initial idea is going to look like, and how you're how you're going to make that happen, and then on that basis, yeah. um, be ready to iterate and change and develop according to the experiences that you make, but don't go into this blindly and. You should understand your market, you should understand no. your customers, you should understand the strategy that you're, uh, uh, you're going for. So I think that needs to be in place uh, first and then, yes, then don't expect things to go according to plan and be ready to throw out ideas that don't serve you and find new ideas uh, as you go.
0: I love this perspective and I have to say I struggle with it myself because um i am more of of an impulsive sort of like i'm just going to go <laughs> i'm just going to do it and so when i've read books in the past about business plans and i've read books about um you know uh, coming up with your your target audience and and all of that yeah i i definitely it's definitely credible obviously but that's the type of information that makes someone like me just become paralyzed, like you said, and stop dead in your tracks <laughs> and just not do it at all because it seems like too high of a mountain to climb. And, uh, but, but I love, I love it, how you laid it out because it really is important to, to do your due diligence, like you said, and find out, is this something that is going to, I love, uh, have you seen or read, um, Pat Flynn's got a book out that's called no, Will It Fly? I
1: haven't read his book. I've had, uh, heard several of his podcasts, but I've not, not read his book.
0: Yeah, it's a great book. I've actually got it on Audible, and he just talks about laying out your, your four quad, uh, quadrants uh, of importance in your life, and and then what you want to do, and he has this whole process, and um, and obviously <clears throat> within that talks about you know, finding out if there is really a market for what you're uh, wanting to do and um, sort of gives people a guide to that. And it's what's interesting is there's millions of, of uh, books out there and, and uh, information resources about getting started in a business. So there's no lack in that. But I feel like he makes it he puts it in a way that someone like me doesn't get um it doesn't feel like it's impossible, you know, and doesn't feel like it's something that's way, way uh, far down the line or something that is uh, out of reach for me. So I like that because sometimes I feel like we lay out so many steps or we read so many steps. I remember, you know, some of the uh, business books back in the early uh, 2000, you know, 1990 to like, let's say 2000 three or four, it was all of this, you know, you have to come up with a 20 page business plan and you've got, to, so, you know, there's, there's that side, but there's also, I, I love how he puts it where he just gives people that sort of um, freedom to create and freedom to start and freedom to, you know, let go and, and um, kind of see where it takes you, but also from a strategic standpoint as well so i love that well i want to shift gears a little bit and um just kind of talk about you you're now you've done a ted talk and which is a, incredible um, and i it was funny because you mentioned just a little bit your um you mentioned steve jobs and you mentioned this whole idea in the workplace um and i remember hearing that in your ted talk um, so I would love to just kind of chat about that. And I want to direct our, our listeners to your TED Talk so they can hear what you have to say, because I I felt like it was fascinating. And I was, I was just so uh, <laughs> proud of you, um, first of all, and, and just so excited to hear what you had to say. So chat about that for just a minute, like how you got there uh, to giving a TED Talk, and then what, what, uh, you're actually doing right now as <laughs> yeah far as first of goes. all thank
1: you so much for your kind words about this um <laughs> the TED talk yeah it was was it was great great experience and um it came for me at the right time like i um i started to develop a strategy that I wanted to uh, go more into speaking mm, because as I said earlier there's right now there's uh, uh, quite a big awareness that creativity is important in business, but I feel like there is a lack that it's actually a trainable skill and it's something that you can um, develop. So, um, like you can develop that in your employees, and that's the message that I want want to get out because I feel like that's mm-hmm. not as as well known quite yet. For example.
0: This kind of comes from, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you with the kind of, you're making me think of the whole growth mindset versus
1: fixed mindset. And so that actually creativity is Mm -hmm. part of this uh, uh, growth mindset and that it's something um, that you can develop. Like 50% of people believe they are not creative and they believe they don't have the ability. They're genetically just prepositioned to not be creative. So I want to bring out the message that creativity is something that is teachable at every uh, point in life and age. And so the way for me to do that is um, through speaking, um, to to inform people that there is this a possibility. And for example, if you compared with emotional intelligence 20 years ago, that was not a thing yet. And people... Uh, knew they are good leaders and they are bad leaders, and um, but they also did not understand that it's really a trainable skill. And now, 20 years later, um, people understand that you can take a, a training for emotional intelligence and people start doing that. So in creativity, I feel like we're a little bit behind in that development. So that was a long start, but that's the reason mm. why I started um, emphasizing my speaking uh, more because I wanted to, to uh, get that information out. Then um, while I was trying to to build ski, uh, speaking engagement, I saw that there was going to be a TEDx conference in Austin, and so I just, I you know why not attitude? I just applied and uh, submitted my uh, my topic and my idea worth um, spreading. And then we had a vetting process and they got back to me and we had a phone interview. And so then I was selected and that was, yeah, I was very excited to do that. And it was not a whole lot of time to do something like this. And I had no idea how much work that's actually going. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it was also fun to see, um, we did this kind of in a community, or the group of uh, women who did this uh, TEDx conference became kind of a community, and to see how everybody grew through this period and how they all developed their skills and tasks, um, that was really uh, amazing um, to see. So it was just a personal challenge me to get it into this format, into this time, and and yeah, it's a very specific way of building your presentation.
0: Oh, that's just so cool. I love that. I'm sure you learned oh, a yes. lot from it. And I, and, and has it brought you other opportunities since you've um, given that talk?
1: No, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's now on my resume. It's, it's something that I've did. So it's something that is out there. So it's hard to say, Oh yeah, because I have this, that person got interested. It's not that, that black <laughs> and white, but, um, I'm, uh, I'm sure it's going to establish my credibility and it's uh, people get a better understanding what my business is about and what I am about. And so I think it's a great resource um, for people who want to learn more about what I do and why I do the things that I do.
0: Well, and I I think you're positioned, if, if I may, I think you're positioned quite well living in one of the tech capitals (laughs) yeah of the u s especially um and probably the world i mean Austin has so many different companies operating out of it we've got dell we've got matt uh, apple we've got samsung we've got so many so I would think you know they would be lining up to get this information into uh into the businesses and and hopefully down the road, maybe that's something you will do, you'll be a part of, I, what is your, uh, that was kind of my next question. What is sort of your next, uh, next move? I mean, what, what would be your goal? Like your five-year uh, plan
1: or where do you want to take it? I'm this? still in the um, mode to grow my business. Um, so I'm still, since it's such a unique mm-hmm. and um, new um, uh, undertaking, I still need to do a lot of work just to get the word out and, and let people know about it because, um, there's, there's nobody in Austin and maybe barely in the United States who does uh, something similar in the way I do it. So, um, there's which is fun to do because it's really something new different, but it's That's also great hard because it's not something that people say, Oh, yeah, I know what that is, and uh, or they they might not even look for what I specifically do because they don't even know that that exists. So (laughs) there's, well,
0: and tell us, tell us a little bit about your, um, you know, you've talked about sort of your, your philosophy. Tell us about your business and what you do, because I think sometimes, you know um, and I have to admit, even for myself, when you first started the business, I immediately went to all the businesses I knew in town that were similar so, my mind immediately went to you know these paint with a twist type of thing um where you know a lot of ladies get together in a location with wine and a canvas and some paint brushes, and mm-hmm. you they paint something but you you have a different approach, and i'd love to hear you kind of chat yeah, about so that my approach is
1: different because my goal is different my um, My ultimate goal yeah. for all the events and programs that I offer is to develop cre- uh, creativity and that can be creativity as an individual person, but very often it 's also collaborative creativity creativity in a team because these days um, uh, the big inventions that are made they are not the genius moment of one single person, even though it sometimes seems like it, for example, we associate Steve Jobs with uh, all these big Apple inventions. But it's a whole team that creates these things. And teams have to learn how to collaborate creatively. And that's a very specific system that we are not... Really taught anywhere in school um, or in in a higher education how to do these things. So that's something that mm-hmm. I try uh, mm-hmm. I try to teach. Uh, what kind of culture does it take? Um, um, if you just say, "Hey, failure is okay, let's fail," um, but then you, as a leader, you don't really know how to handle the failure, how to treat it, how to encourage it, how to move on from that. Then it's not going to work. So, I'm helping organizations to build this kind of culture and to build this um, mindset how to be creative, what behaviors uh, does it take to be creative in a corporate environment. And the painting that we do, and that's mm. in most, most programs involve painting. Um, Painting is just a tool. It's nothing more. So if you compare it to painting with a twist, it's all about doing this painting and leaving the evening with a painting that has has been um, on their agenda before. Um, When I do the paintings with my customers, nobody knows how they are gonna look like at the end. And it's a lot more about the process of doing it. Like how do you go through the different stages of the creative process? Then how the final result is uh, going to look like, and I choose, and I for, and I choose painting. Go ahead, sorry, like, I'm not a painter. Like I'm a musician and I'm a theater opera director, so I'm an amateur into painting. And I purposefully choose painting because I think it's something that is really doable for. For everyone, like music, for example, which is my i 'm mm-hmm. a professional musician, I think it 's really hard to get um, adults all ages to to engage in uh, music uh, to develop their creativity and painting is something that painting colors that 's something that all kids do from the earliest age on and i 'm not saying there 's not a lot to learn about visual arts and that, that it 's not a high skill but there are ways to do it in an amateur way with a beginner's mindset that can be very successful and for me it's it's a very successful method to take it out of the business context and just look what how does the mind work when we are creative and then later in a second step um, look how can we apply this to the procedures and uh, to everything that we do at work and incorporate it in our culture and in the way of doing things so it's not about the painting it's really about learning Mm -hmm. those skills and behaviors uh, and the culture and painting is just what's helping us to get there.
0: I love this so much. And, you know, uh, Christiana and I have that share that in common that we're both musicians, but I feel like um, uh, it's so much of uh, creativity out there is focused on the end result. And that's what I love about what you do is you teach the art of creativity itself, not necessarily what it will look like <laughs> when it's all done. And you know it's funny because I was having a conversation with a girlfriend of mine uh, just a few weeks ago as I was sort of struggling with this concept of you know same thing you were talking about if I go and I perform which I desperately want to and 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 have felt that longing and that tug to be back out there singing again but if I do that that means I sacrificed uh, you know time with my family when they're home because performing happens in the evenings and the weekends. And, um, it also sacrifices sort of sanity for me because in order for me to be a hundred percent for, uh, a performance, you know, my life around me has to change. Like I have to get more sleep or I have to be uh, able to have time to practice and prepare. So, and I'm not saying that that's not a possibility. It's just, it's much more difficult. And one of my girlfriends who's out there singing quite a bit um, and doing a lot of performing, she said, you know, most people I come in contact with would benefit just from going in their practice room and singing through a few Mozart arias Um, or just, you know, getting out their Schubert uh, Lieder, which is art song. And just singing through their favorite songs. And you walk away feeling the same fulfillment as you would if you were on a stage performing. And I, when she said that, literally tears started streaming down my face. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I need Mozart. I need Mozart. But it was, it was just this moment of realization that it doesn't – creativity uh, that we – have within us. It doesn't have to be expressed in a way where 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 we're actually going to see something on the wall mm-hmm. after we do it, <laughs> um, or we have to you know have some end product that is just as good as or better than someone else's. It means we are we have some output right into the world. That's that's just we're we're working through um, our own ability, our own freedom that we didn't actually know we had um, to Yeah, and I create. think that,
1: that's especially a helpful step when you get started and when you have all these inhibitions and you feel like you're not creative, it takes a lot of the pressure out. I think if we find like a creative hobby, um which is always a good way to practice creativity on an ongoing uh, basis we want to see some results like if we if we start knitting we want to do something that actually starts looking nice but it also will like it also it's, it's a natural process um that once we keep keep engaging in in a subject that we will develop our skills and our talents and grow in that area. But for me, the mm-hmm. things that I offer, they are just, they're like kickstarters. They want to initiate something. So yeah. creativity, if you want to train our creative muscle in our brain, we need to do that on an ongoing basis. So a one-time event is not going to make you a creative person, but might ignite, yeah. um, your creative confidence, so you know um, um, that you actually can be creative, and it shows you ways how how to look out for creativity, how to uh, implement creativity in your life. But you still have to do the practice, um, yeah, to, practice to really it. change what uh, and, your creative abilities in your brain.
0: And you're just planting the seed. I love that you're just you're kind of like the <laughs> gateway drug. <laughs> Like, let's let's open up this door and see where it takes you. I just love that. Well, if you would give uh, one message to our listeners today.
1: What would it be? Um, so would you like this message to be more creativity related or more business related? I,
0: whatever. I mean, I think, you know, along those lines would be great as far as I mean I feel like a lot of people maybe I'm speaking for for just myself only but I feel like even as a creative person I struggle on a daily basis to acknowledge that you know I do I do certain things like this podcast is a creative uh way for me to express myself but um I feel like in general, I do, like you said, have to make a practice of it. And I feel sometimes very inhibited or insecure about my own abilities. So I don't know,
1: just whatever. Okay. So um, maybe one thing is like, because we talked about this earlier on, like if you have these ideas and you want to do something different and you don't have the courage to, to make the leap. I think what, what really helps is to use your creativity, To map that out, like for example, if you say I want to be a podcaster um, and to start thinking how would that look like, what if I had a podcast every week, what did that mean for my life, what did that mean, what requirements would that take, What, what would it take me to get to the point that I feel comfortable doing a podcast, like maybe I need to be a guest on a show three times so I get a feeling for the format without um doing my own thing maybe i have to take a class on audio editing whatever it is just um paint the picture as clearly as you can how your life would look like um when you make that transition and by by uh painting it as clearly as you can, I also mean like how would your day look like? You would get up at that time, send the kids to school, then what? How much time would you have for for each element? What would it take for you to be financially successful? How would you build your customers? So so really try to to envision yourself as a podcaster, for example, and how your day would look like, how your month would look like, and then kind of get uh, build it a reverse. Uh, in a reverse order, what does it take to get there? And if it's really something that's so dear to your heart and that's really important to you, I think it's really important to evaluate that. And you might come to the decision at the end, well, that's not feasible for me because it would take too much time or too much money. And right now I'm not in the position to give that. But maybe when the kids are in middle school or whatever it is, I'll be at that point. But then you're very much more conscious about it you know what's holding you back and why you're not doing it and it's not just this vague dream oh i wish i could do a podcast and that would be so awesome but it's it's not very specific so um that's my advice just try to to paint the picture be realistic in the sense is that something that works for me right now if not what else can i do um to reach this point maybe later in life and
0: I love that you talked about this whole idea of mapping it out and stepping it out, as I know Brendan Burchard says a lot, just uh, starting with the end result and going backwards. Um, so I love that. And that's actually something I'm going to be addressing in a couple weeks on the podcast. So it's very uh, <laughs> apropos that you bring that up. So I love that. Well, I loved our talk today, Christiana, and I am so excited um, for our listeners to uh, hear what you have to say and I will put in the show notes where they can find you but I'm assuming uh, it's Com. is there yeah, another that's, place that's, they can find that's you or is that pretty, pretty much it? I
1: can, I can send you the link to the TED talk that you talked about and also I have a blog that's also part of that website so that I can, um, I'll share that with you and so you can share it to your listeners and thank you so much for having me here and inviting me awesome. you on your show
0: Oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this podcast episode. It means so much for me. And please don't forget to leave a review. Till next time. Bye-bye.